What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Ride in the Pine. Jack Rod and I are back with you all today, and as always, we've got another amazing episode in store for everyone at home. But before I get into all of that, let's take a little dive into the last episode. I was joined by a tremendous guest coming from the Wagner men's basketball program, Delani Hunt. Delani and I got into his career and what it was like coming to Wagner as a freshman in the midst of the COVID pandemic, what it was like being named NEC Rookie of the Year that same freshman season, and so much more. So if you want to hear about Delani's career at Wagner, go check out episode 283 and all 283 episodes that are out now on all podcast platforms. Now, getting into today, we're going to be joined by another great guest from the college basketball world, but this guest coming from the coaching side of things, current University of Maryland Eastern Shore men's basketball head coach Jason Crafton. Coach Crafton and I get into his career and what it was like starting his coaching career at Villanova alongside Coach Jay Wright and how impactful Coach Wright has been on his career. What it was like being named the head coach of his alma mater and also getting his first ever head coaching job at that same school and so much more. So if you want to hear about Coach Crafton's career in coaching, don't go anywhere because here comes Coach Jason Crafton. So with that, folks, let's make our way into our show for today. So as always, be sure to find your favorite seat here on the bench with me. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And I'm here with current head men's basketball coach at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, Coach Jason Kraft. And Coach, great to get you on the show today, my friend. How's it going? Hey, great to be here. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely, my friend. Well, listen, I appreciate you hopping on the show and talking a little bit about, obviously, your career, but also the season. That's where I want to start because you guys have been on a roll, to say the least, as of late, currently on a six-game winning streak. I mean, what's been working and just clicking for you guys as of late? You know what? We play defense, and uh, we've got a hungry, scrappy group of veteran guys that are that have been here in our program. We've got three guys that, have, that are in their fourth year, and then we got another cast of five guys that have been here for three years. So we've got about eight guys that have been here together for three years uh, total. So we've got some veterans that have been around. Uh, they, they bought into what we're trying to do defensively, and our defense has spearheaded what we do offensively, getting some baskets in transition. So um, that, that that's what's happening right now. On top of that, we got good kids and, and and these guys have bought into what we're doing and a great team we've got good chemistry and we're trying to do something that's that hasn't been done here at well Mally's just sure it's been the division one level and that's you know be a, a team that can potentially go on and win the MIAC championship and, and make a run in the NCAA tournament well, I know that you guys had a really tough out-of-conference schedule, and, and I feel that that is always such an important part to really kind of gear yourself up for, obviously, later into conference play, but also keeping your sights you know, set on the NCAA tournament for whomever you might play. How much has that tough out-of-conference schedule kind of come full circle at this point and helped you guys out at this point? I think it has. I mean, you got the, the schedule is twofold. One, we got to bring in a certain amount of revenue for our institution. So, you know, when you got to bring over five hundred thousand dollars in money games, you're going to place in the upwards of seven to eight. So, when you look at our eight losses, seven of those losses are in buy games. The other loss is to Norfolk State. So, um, and we actually were able to win two buy games, beating Columbia and beating Temple. Um, so, you know, I think that the, the schedule put us in a position where we're not afraid of anybody because the way we handled those buy games or we went into those games with a desire to win those games. You know, we, we game prepared and we played a scrappy brand of basketball to be able to win those games. So when we didn't win those games, we came out of those games frustrated. You're not top in the country in uh, steals and, and turnovers force 
without having gone at those teams. <laughs> Does that make sense? So we didn't just go in there and get our bus kicked, walk out, <laughs> and now just start coming and playing a good brand of basketball. We've been playing a good brand of basketball. It's just been against a higher level opponent and some nights that we weren't able to pull out wins. So I think that being in those atmospheres and doing some things on a positive level gave our guys the confidence that when we're playing teams at our level, that we can execute to a high level and be able to, to come out with more wins. And I think, again, that's it's the best approach to have, really, because right now it's clearly working for you guys, and you guys are in a great spot in the conference, only have one blemish on the conference record, which, again, I think at, at this point of the season, a lot of teams would love to have. But, Coach, I want to get into your career and kind of work our way to where you're at today. I want to just first start with, and I always ask coaches this because I'm very just fa- I'm fascinated by it. What just got you interested in becoming a coach? Is, is, is it something that you always wanted to do? I think we all playing the game, want to play in the NBA, and then we realized that, <laughs> you know, I was Division two player. At some point, you got to take the reality dose and realize that that's just not going to happen. Um, so in my college career, I did a lot of uh, coaching camps and clinics and, and going to different things and became really enamored. I was always a Villanova basketball fan growing up. Uh, Kerry Kittles, Alvin Williams, uh, tough blue-collar teams they had with Jason Lawson and, and those guys. And uh, I always just loved doing all the basketball, and I loved that, that how they played and, and their players and things like that. So I, I really I started working building all the basketball camps and, and just started to you know wanting to be a coach, and, and that's kind of how it happened. And I was able to get an opportunity to work for Jay Wright at Villanova at an early stage, and that's kind of how my my career got started. Well, I think it's really fitting that, you know, that's really where, you know, the the college coaching for you really begins right back in the early 2000s as a video coordinator, like you mentioned, for Coach Jay Wright. And I got to ask, I mean, how much of an impression did he leave on you, you know, early on in your career being a young coach and, and how impactful were those two years at Nova? Oh, very impactful. I mean, we spoke the other day via text message. Uh, he knows what we're doing here. He's proud of the job that we're doing. And and I told him, I said, I appreciate everything he taught me because he taught me the, the successes and the details. And, you know, everything matters. You know, all the little things matter. It's not just about the big things. It's about, you know, the small things, you know, being, you know, being on time and, and uh, you know, making sure that the guys are all, you know, unified in what they're wearing and, and uh you know how we do film and how we do post game and how we how we eat how we travel how we how we watch just every detail of the program uh, matters you know how practice is set up so um, he really helped he show me how to develop a culture and how to inspire greatness in young men and I'm forever grateful for him for that because with him it was more than just basketball it was about everything so um, he really helped me see the things that I'm striving to do now in my career um, and pass on to this next generation. What's a, a moment or, or maybe a, just kind of a, a story or an instance during your time with Coach Jay Wright that, that really was very, very profound for you and, and really stays with you to this day? We had a snowstorm early in my career as video coordinator. And back then, you were always trying to get VHS tapes uh, sent via UPS or FedEx. And we had a tape that got stuck in a snowstorm. And, you know, there was really no way for the, the tape to get there. So when the coaches were looking for the tape, we couldn't get the tape and it was stuck and, and UPS couldn't get it. It was stuck somewhere in the snowstorm. It was like 12 inches. And I remember coach saying, um, he made a comment like, well, you know, you know, we got to always find a way to get it done. You know, no excuses, just get it done. You know, in Villanova, we get it done. Let everybody else make excuses. And a lot of people were like, well, you know, you know, maybe we couldn't have gotten the tape, but it was more than just getting the tape. It was more about a mentality of, Hey, just make sure that if there's ever something we got to get done, that we go through every 
possible scenario to make sure we get it done. Uh, we check every box, you know, uh, before we say, hey, you know what, we can't, it can't happen. So I think he's, he, that was a moment for me that was like, when he said that, no excuses, just get it done. It really put a lot of, um, you know, ownership on me to, in every situation, make sure we do everything possible before going to saying we can't get it done. In that scenario, I don't know if we could have got it done, but it set the tone for everything else that we were going to do that we were going to never say we didn't get it done. So I'm guessing you never got the tape. <laughs> we couldn't get that tape. We tried. We tried to get a courier. We tried to do everything, but everything was shut down. It was like 12 to 15 inches of snow. But it was more, it was less about getting the tape. It was more about the mentality that he was trying to instill in us. And that's what I'm forever grateful for and the way he told us that and, and everything in, the, in that moment. Yeah, a great story and a great kind of visualization of the relentless attitude that, that you want to have to go after success, right? And I think that's a great, great way to kind of picture that. But I would love to know where that tape is. It's probably floating around somewhere. Uh, that's that's going to bother me. That's, I'm gonna, uh, that's going to keep me up at night, Coach. I'm sure that keeps you up at night. I'm sure my coach can keep Coach right up at night at times. Um, but but very, very cool story. But I know that you eventually m- make your way to the Naval Academy and then you become your – you get your first – head coaching job at I think a very fitting place again a nice full circle moment for you at your alma mater which was once Nyack College is now Alliance University but how much did that mean to you to return to the place that you once called home and especially really start your head coaching journey well, you know, um, it, it was a great opportunity for me. I, I was I had just finished 10 years as an assistant. Um, uh, we had done a great job rebuilding the Naval Academy and, and some great things had going on there. Um, I had come close to getting a few Division One head jobs. I was a finalist for this Maryland Eastern Shore job <laughs> um, when I was 26. And I was a finalist for the St. Mary, the St. Francis, New York job at 28. So I had interviewed and been a, in the final three for two Division One jobs. Um, during my time at the Naval Academy and then uh, and didn't get it because I was too young at that time and I, but I was always impressive to some administrators and then when I was 30 I was able to get the head job at, Mali, at uh, Nyack College which is now Alliance University. It was cool because a lot of the same administration was still there so um, the, the president I was very familiar with from my time there as a player the athletic director was the same athletic director as when I played there. The trainer was my trainer when I played there. A lot of the, the teachers on campus and administrators and registrar and all the, so it was really a homecoming. It was a great time for me to go back there and rebuild the program. We did some really exciting things getting that program back to a competitive state, uh, both on the court and in the classroom. And uh, just a great time. It was it was really a, a unique time uh, to go home. And, and uh, I, I'm forever grateful for those guys for giving me that opportunity because that really gave me a chance to get a lot of uh, on-the-job experiences being a head coach. A lot of guys get their first head job as a Division One job and they're in the bright lights. I got a chance to make a lot of mistakes, <laughs> you know, and uh, work out the cobwebs during that time. And I'm forever grateful for Nye for giving me that chance. Do you ever look back at those those instances where you were in the final three and even in the final two for those head coaching jobs and wonder, you know, what 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 if, you know, if you had gotten those jobs early on and, and, and especially at 26, 28 years old? Yeah, I think, uh, I, you know, it, 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 I think my career, you know, I'm, I'm a man of faith and, and feel like everything happens. You know, I just, you know, allow God to align everything in my life. And, um, you know, I didn't get those jobs for a reason because I probably wasn't ready. You know, And, um, you know, you, I've gotten this chance here and when I was in a better place to be ready for everything that we've seen, um, you know, so I, I, I would never forget my first 
mistake as a Division II head coach was I, I got the scenario wrong out of a timeout, uh, and, and we were I drew up a play that was the wrong scenario. And my kids went out, executed it, and I'm walking out, and I look at the scoreboard, and I'm like, oh, I thought we were down one. <laughs> you know, not, not, not down, you know, three or whatever the case, or two or whatever the case was. And I remember saying, okay, I get a chance right now to go back and, and figure out how I missed that, you know, instead of having to go into a press conference and explain that. And that's the beauty of being in the small lights. So I was able to make mistakes early on, clean those things up, tighten up, get better. And now in this position, in this opportunity, be more ready for the for, for the opportunity. Then back when I was young, I was energetic. I was I was I was ready to bring the energy, but I don't know if I was exactly ready to take the ownership of being a Division One head coach at 26 years old. Well, I really think that that, first off, takes a lot of just, you know, obviously maturity on your part, realizing, hey, you know what? Probably at that time, eh, maybe, maybe not. But again, you make a really great point, and I love the point you bring up in that there is some beauty in being in those small lights to start out, not being in the, the glitz and glam of being in the SEC or ACC for your first job, but starting out at a lower level and really, like you said, getting your footing, getting familiar with what it's like being a head coach, and especially for that time for you, your first you know full-time head coaching job. And I'm sure that was such an important part for you that eventually gets you ready for when you go to the NBA G League as an assistant coaching for the Delaware Bluecoats. What was that adjustment like going from just the college level to the NBA level and and just being around pros now on a constant basis. You know, it was an interesting opportunity because now at that time I had gotten six years of head coaching experience um, under my belt. And in that scenario, the, the Delaware Blue Coats were hired. They hired a young Connor Johnson, who was a, a, a young coach on the rise within the Philadelphia 76ers organization. Very smart offensively, very video savvy, uh, very good with player development, but didn't have any head coaching experience. And I had a lot of people within the Sixers organization that were of the Villanova family um, that, that that knew about me and what I was doing. And it was just something that organically happened. I used to just go by Sixers practice and watch them every time I was in Philly recruiting. And I get a phone call in September or late late August that, you know, they, they were looking for somebody to, that had some head coaching experience to help with the G League team. And my former boss, Billy Lang, was working with, was already assistant with the Sixers, doing the defense. They knew I was a defensive-minded guy. So I kind of went over there and checked it out. And, and it, it was a great opportunity. And it wasn't something that I was actually looking for. It just kind of happened. Um, and it was such a blessing. I went there. And we had a great run in terms of uh, helping that program, you know, make we won 10 more games than the year previously. And um, it was able, I was able to learn a lot about the pro level and see how the G League works, the two way players and did a lot of player development with the Sixers team, was able to get called up to do workouts for Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris on days when they needed extra um, reps and things like that. So um, unbelievable experience, great opportunity, something I'll forever cherish. And uh, that experience also gave me the opportunity to be able to get a Division One head job and put all the pieces together to be able to get this opportunity to come back to college and, and be a Division One head coach. Well, I want to unpack that point right now where we're at with you being the head coach of Maryland Eastern Shore, because I'd love to hear just what it was like for you finding out that you had secured this position, but especially, again, kind of another full circle moment for you where when you were younger that you were in the running for this job, and then now eventually you do get it oh so many years later. The interesting thing about the, that dynamic was when I was um, in the NBA and I was doing the stuff with the Sixers, you know, I really wasn't doing it to come back to college. You know, I kind of, when I left NIAC, I said, you know, 
we all come into this and we want to be head coaches, you know, from a lot of us that we want to be division one head coaches. When I left, I had treated that NIAC job like it was a division one head job. I didn't treat it less because it was division two, you know. So when I left, I said, OK, if that was my chance to be a college, uh, a college head coach, then, you know, I'm going to be OK if I don't become a head coach again. So I left that on a new journey. And as I was doing that new journey, this Eastern Shore thing came about and it was kind of like it was kind of full circle. And it intrigued me because of, you know, when I was at the Naval Academy to play Madeline Eastern Shore, I always felt like this was a place that I could build um, for whatever reason. It always just was never that good. I always thought it had a nice campus. I thought the facilities were nice. It's always like, man, if I could come there and get a chance. So I, I revisited in my mind, like, hey, do you want to do this college thing again? And I kind of got myself pumped up about it. And we had some good conversations with the president, Dr. Anderson. And and, and here we are. <laughs> and that, that's kind of how it went down. And I, and I, I looked at it as a chance to come and, you know, finish the job of what I wanted to start here, you know, uh, 10 or 12 years prior when I didn't get the job. Well, since you've taken over uh, at, at Maryland Eastern Shore, I'm sure you've seen, you know, obviously a lot of improvement and a lot of growth from that team. When you first step, step foot on campus back in the 2019, 2020 time and all the way up into now, what are you what have you noticed has kind of just been the biggest improvement for the team, but also just the biggest improvement for the program overall? Um, you know, just just trying to to bring a different type of brand of, of, of uh, not just mentality, but also, um, you know, people here, you know, in terms of our the, the types of players that we recruit. I think we've recruited a different type of kid um, that that's performed well, not just on the court, but also off the court. You know, we had a three point five team GPA last year, uh, the best on campus, and one of the best in the country. So um, the things that have changed, you know, we, we've we've gotten blue collar, hungry guys that just live in the gym. They want to get better. You know, um, they, they, they didn't have a whole lot of opportunities and they've embraced this opportunity as the opportunity and, and they've come here hungry. You know, Deshaun Phillip is a guy that's an all-conference player, had no offers, you know, uh, other than Maryland Eastern Shore. You know, uh, Keevon Boyles is a local player that was Bayside Player of the Year but didn't have a ton of offers, you know, and not a, not a whole lot of people uh, gave him an opportunity and we did, you know. Um, so we've got a lot of kids on our team that didn't have a lot of opportunities and have embraced this opportunity and have made this, you know, the place to that they wanted to be a part of and build. And, and uh, so I think that's the biggest change has just been the people and the buy-in of our players and just continue to push through adversity. We had a season that was canceled. We didn't play. And we got a lot of guys that stuck with us. And, uh, and a lot of that frustration and anger still comes out to, to this day um, that they couldn't play. They had basketball taken away from them. So um, we got good kids here. Well, I do want to, you know, maybe touch a little bit on that season because it was literally the next year after you had gotten hired. So so technically your second season at Maryland Eastern Shore, how kind of just shocking, appalling was that when you when you find out that the season's canceled? And then also just what was kind of the, the next step that you took as a program where you said, I still need to get my guys and make sure that they're, you know, locked in and still staying focused and still staying hungry for the game of basketball? Yeah, you know, I think that um, it's 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 one of those things that that was it was it was a challenge. You know, um, you know, we had to we we couldn't practice. Um, we, we we were <laughs> we were shut down in a lot of different ways. We found creative ways during that year to to um, to keep them motivated. Zoom calls. We had a company come in that that did a lot of motivational stuff for them, sports psychology um, as well, um, along with. Um, 
some financial education as, as well, teaching them how to use their Pell Grant money and if they took loans out, how to invest. Um, and, and just we found as many creative ways as possible to keep them engaged in what we were trying to do. Um, when we were able to work out, it was limited. We could only have a few guys on the floor at one time. So we try to do a lot of different just individual instruction, a lot of um, defensive concepts. We did fake scouts. Even though we weren't playing, we did like <laughs> we did fake scouting reports like we were playing to try to instill a lot of the, the, the fundamentals of things that we were going to need to do down the line. So that's what we did to try to keep them engaged. And the guys that were committed to being with us stayed and some guys that were frustrated did leave. But I felt like the right guys stayed and the right guys left. And, and here we are today with, um, you know, a good six of those guys that were here during that time, um, you know, are still on this basketball team. And they're a major part of what we're doing. Well, again, I think that, you know, uh, you, you should be given a lot of credit, too, for being able to keep that core together and keep those guys, you know, locked in and, and also hungry to be still part of the program. I think that's an awesome thing that, that the whole entire team was able to do. But, Coach, it's been great to get you on the show today. Before we let you run, I always leave all of my guests with this question. I would love to hear from you just when you had this kind of realization or an epiphany, if you will, as to when you knew that you could be a collegiate basketball coach and a head division one coach at that. So for you, when did that kind of moment go off for you? Uh, at some point in college, probably, you know, at some point in time between my sophomore and junior year where, you know, I started really, you know, diving into watching, you know, um, you know, just the whole profession and watching games in a different way. And um, I think my, my going into my senior year, my coach actually let me do scouting reports for the team. So I think we all knew that this was what's go- what was going to happen. <laughs> Some other people saw it in me, and I started seeing it myself during my time in college. And, and uh, you know, then became the drive. I went to the Final Four, and I said, okay, I want to be a Division One head coach. And at that time, I was like, I want to be a Division One head coach by the time I'm 26. And, you know, I did not really realize what that would look like. You know, I just knew that this is what I wanted to do. I got my first Division Two head job at 30. I interviewed for my first Division One head job at 26. So I thought I, w- I thought it was going to happen, <laughs> you know. And then I ended up getting this job at 36 or 37, whatever the case may be. So um, it happened in college. Um, forever grateful for Coach John D. Jones and, and Coach Dan Bailey, the guys that were around me when I played in college and, you know, helped um, and gave me opportunities to not just be a player, but also do things behind the scenes that helped me, um, you know, kind of get in the coaching profession by, by, by working with our kids, my teammates and, and doing scouting reports and all that type of stuff because they saw something in me. And, you know, that, that helps set things up for what we're doing today. Well, Coach, I know that you guys are doing great stuff over at Maryland Eastern Shore, and we're excited to see what the future holds for you all. Again, thanks so much for joining us today, and good luck the rest of the season. Appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. And there he goes, Coach Jason Crafton. Another fantastic episode today, everyone. Thanks for joining me here on the bench. Be sure to keep following and subscribing to Ride in the Pine on Apple and Spotify, and keep following on Twitter at Ride the Pine Twenty RTP All Capital, Instagram at Riding underscore the underscore Pine underscore all lowercase, and on TikTok at Riding the Pine all lowercase for all of the latest updates on episodes and content to come. All two hundred and eighty-four episodes are out now. Keep leaving those ratings and reviews. And again, folks, keep your eyes and ears open for some more great guests coming down the road and I have to say I know I have been a little bit on the inconsistent side as one would say for the social media and uploading content and whatnot I again have been very busy my schedule has been all over the place but do not worry folks we still have episodes coming out we still have great content that comes out weekly and we're still working on some of the new things and tweaking the newsletter so get ready for that as that is going to be coming back out very soon still working on some of that but again still some great content coming down on the social media as we'll continue to push that forward but once again everyone thanks so much for tuning in today and until next time on Ride in the Pine
line. Keep on sitting the bench with me.